16. Psalm 16, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 11 today. Athanasius was a 4th century Eastern Church father. He was the 12th bishop of Alexandria. And he's known throughout church history as the chief defender of the Trinitarian view of God. And he once said that while most of Scripture speak to us, the Psalms speak for us. While most of Scripture speak to us, the Psalms speak for us. They speak for us because we experience what the writers experience. The ups and downs of life, the struggle, the joys, the heartache, and the pains of life. We all experience those. The Psalms are almost like a reflective journal of your life experiences. We all have that one or two that we go to. When we're in a tough bind, they do speak for us. And they and we will hear this reflective voice of the Psalms as we continue to to walk through them through this new sermon series that we're in. And we started last week in Psalm 16. And Psalm 16, it gives us one picture of what it looks like to walk in confident dependency on Jesus. Just one picture. Verses 1 and 2 shows us that confident dependency rests on who Jesus is. He is your refuge. He is your goodness. Verse 3 and 4 gave, give us one example of, of his goodness. And that is the goodness of being with his people. And today, this morning, we're going, to, we're going to continue to look at other examples of his goodness in your life. James tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light. And you can walk in confident dependency on his goodness. But the question is, do you believe it? That's always the question before us when we hear from the word of God. Do we actually believe it? So have your Bible. Psalm 16, beginning in verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is God's word. Please pray with him for me. Father, as we come to the preaching of your truth, no man is truly worthy to preach it, no matter how great he is or how many titles he has in front of his name, he is not worthy to preach it. So, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to take control. I need you to take what is said and apply it to my heart and apply it to the hearts of everyone that's here. 
We desperately need you to move. We desperately need you to speak into our hearts, speak into our situations, speak into our dying world. Holy Spirit, if you don't move, we will not leave here changed people. We leave here like we were when we first came. We want to meet you. We want to see Jesus. We want to see the Father. Some of us need encouragement. Some of us need to be reminded that that you're good. Some of us need to be rebuked, maybe. But we all have definitely have one thing in common despite what we're going through. We all need Jesus. We need him. We don't need less of him. We need more of his presence in our life. So, Holy Spirit, our wonderful counselor, our helper, will you please do that in all of our lives? In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The second goodness that David mentions in these verses is the goodness of God's provisions. The goodness of God's provisions in the life of his people. And these provisions isn't just material and financial. It isn't just about stuff. It isn't just about getting your blessing on. It isn't just about your creature comforts and your security. The provision, the, the, the provision is Yahweh himself. It's Yahweh himself. And this is important for us who struggle with materialism and consumerism. And all of us do, regardless of our economic situation or our financial status, we all struggle with being materialistic and being just a consumer. All of us, many of us, love the blessings of Jesus more than we love Jesus himself. You got to see that in our own hearts. I see it in my heart. I love Jesus far less than I profess each week in his pulpit. And I love my comforts in this world a lot more than I let you know I do. And that's true for all of us. We love the Father less. We love his blessings more. And walking in confident dependency on him means you don't substitute Jesus for his blessings that he brings into your life. It means you don't substitute him for worldly treasures, comfort, and security. Listen, you can live your life depending on everyone and anything but Jesus. You can. And it's easy in our wonderful country, in a first world country like ours. Trust me, I love it here. I love it. I love being a Christian, but I love being a Christian in America more. I'm just going to be honest. You can substitute Jesus for anything, for success, for education, for good grades in, in, in school, for a boyfriend, for a girlfriend, for praise for a man, a nice car, a nice home. The new tech gadget, your bank account, your achievements, the achievements of your kids. Just fill in the blank. What are you substituting Jesus for today? Do you even know it? Do you even see it? We all have substitute saviors. What are yours? Whose hand is really providing for you? Whose hand is making a way for you in your life? Who's your provision? David says here, Yahweh is the chosen portion of my inheritance and my cup. Yahweh is the chosen portion of my inheritance and my cup. Inheritance is a reference to, to something tangible, to something material. It refers to land. 
in, in, in that culture, inheriting land was huge. It, made, it can make you rich. And so David is grateful for this. He enjoys the inheritance. He says, the lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. The term cup in the scriptures is a metaphor for either God's judgment. It could be a metaphor for God's blessings. In this verse, it's a metaphor for God's blessings to David's life. And please notice, David doesn't deny the inheritance. He doesn't deny the blessings. He doesn't look down on the blessings. He acknowledges them, but his emphasis is not on them. What do you mean by that, Pastor? This is what I mean. He's not wanting his identity to be tied to the blessing, to the inheritance. He's not wanting his value and his dignity and his self-worth tied to the blessings that the Lord brings into his life. He's not wanting to walk in confident dependency on them. He's not wanting to substitute Yahweh for the inheritance and for the blessings. He says, Yahweh is the chosen portion of my inheritance and my cup. His chosen and most precious portion isn't the land. It isn't the money. It isn't the status. It isn't his success as a king. It isn't in the houses or a palace. It isn't in being debt free. It's not in substituting Yahweh for the things that he gives. The portion is Yahweh himself. Think about that. He wants Yahweh for Yahweh. But what about us? Do we want Jesus simply for Jesus? Or are we just gold diggers? We want his gold, but we really don't want him. Many of us, myself included, listen, I had to write this sermon, so think about how I feel having to write this stuff. All of us, myself included, we are what I call on the down low prosperity gospel believers. Well, we're not going to verbally name and claim it, but our lifestyles do. By the way we live our life, we just like those believers. We might not believe in that theology, but the way we live our life, the things that we really value, we're just like them. And listen, I am too. I am too. Your chosen portion is what you value most. It's what you hold most dear to your heart. It speaks of a close relationship. Please understand that Jesus' death on the cross isn't just about you having your sins forgiven and going to heaven. It ain't just about that. His death brought peace between you and and the Lord God. Peace. Because before him, you were God's enemy. Before him, you had no relationship with him. His death reconciled you to God. That's what his death also did. It brought back together a relationship that was broken because of sin. And when you come to faith in Jesus, you are now adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. Do you know that the great I am calls you son, calls you daughter? And for most of us, it's just like sand in our hands. Think about that. The great I am calls you son, calls you daughter. Do you realize that you are God's people 
do you realize that his people are his chosen portion? But do you believe it? Do you believe in your heart and your mind that you are God's chosen portion? That he values you for you, not for what you do for him. He holds you dear to his heart. But do you believe it? Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9 says, When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted heritage. But do you believe it? Deuteronomy 4, 20 says, But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance as you are this day. But do you believe it? All God's people, regardless of their race, regardless of where they live in this world, they are his chosen portion. And in Jesus, the Father can be your chosen portion. But do you want him as such? Or do you just want the blessings? the good life, the American dream. You can love Jesus back. Did you know that? You can love him back. You can have a close, intimate, personal relationship with the Father, just like you have with your best friend, just like you have with your spouse, just like you have with your siblings. You can have that same relationship with Jesus. But do we pursue him that way? My temptation is just to learn a whole bunch of theology because I like knowledge. But I got to tell you, knowing a bunch of theology won't let me lay down my life on them. Do you think all the martyrs went to the cross because they had all the right theology? That they burned to the stake because they knew everything? They went because they believed and they loved him. They had a relationship with him. They believed in him and knew him. And when it comes and hard times come for the church in this country, it's going to be, do we really love Jesus? Growing in our walk with him in faith. Because that's what gets us through. That's what keeps us grounded. That's what keeps us persevering and enduring to the end. Is our faith in him. Is our Savior and our Lord. Yahweh is the chosen portion of your inheritance and your cup. He also, as David says, he holds our lot. He holds our lot. He holds David's lot. And lot is a metaphor for the destiny of one's life. Destiny of one's life. David's life, your life, and the life of all God's people. And your destiny isn't in the hands of what I call KFC. Now, I'm not talking about Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm talking about karma, fear, and fate and chance. Karma, fate, and chance. KFC does not uphold your destiny, nor does God's blessings. What upholds your destiny is Yahweh. Yahweh himself holds your destiny in the palm of his hands. How can he do it? He can do it because he's God. The destiny of all his people he holds in the palm of his hands. And he doesn't get tired and it's not heavy enough for him. He has it because he's God. He's sovereign. It's a sovereign hand. It's a hand of providence. 
and it's all good. The Hebrew idea behind the term translated whole is, is grasping securely. Do you know that Yahweh has a kung fu grip around your destiny? A kung fu grip. And nothing can ever separate it from his hands. Your suffering won't separate the grip. Your circumstances won't loosen the grip. The man and woman who ends up in the White House won't loosen his grip on your life. We don't need to turn into practical atheists here. Your disappointments won't loosen that grip. Your struggles with sin won't loosen that grip. The enemy won't loosen that grip. And common persecutions won't loosen that grip either. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Please know, when it comes to the Lord, you, you would never, ever have to sing the Adele song to God. You never have to say to him, hello, from the outside. You never have to say to him, hello, from the other side. The hello is always from the inside. Always from the inside. He says in Isaiah 49, can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Now, can a brother get amen? amen? Thank you. Continually before him. Think about that. Tattooed you on the palm of his hands. Your destiny, your life is always before Jesus. Your future life will be before Jesus. Your walls will continually be before him. You will always be in his presence. The accumulation of all your life and everything you will be is in the good hands of Jesus. You're his chosen portion. He's going to take care of you. And he can be your chosen portion. And you can walk in confident dependency on him without substituting him for lesser things. You can enjoy the gifts, but don't enjoy them more than enjoy the gift giver. You can be content with what the God has provided for you without living in jealousy and envy of other brothers and sisters because they have what you don't have. Why can you do that? Because Yahweh, at the end of the day, is your chosen portion of your inheritance, of your covenant. Even for you young people, I don't care where you go to college or what you grow up to be, your material possessions and your achievements, you cannot substitute Jesus for those things. Because they will always let you down. Eventually, things can be taken away. But Jesus cannot be taken away from you. You can lose wealth, you can lose houses, and we all going to at some point lose our looks and our life. But you can never lose Jesus. Ever. But do you believe it? Do you want him? Or do you just want the blessings? Next, David talks about the, the third goodness that, that God gives us. It's the goodness of Yahweh's presence. Yahweh's presence. His presence in your life isn't passive. He doesn't show up and then check out mentally. The Lord's presence in your life isn't like being in the presence of someone who is preoccupied with their smartphone. You know, you're trying to talk to them and, you know, they're looking down at the phone. He's not distracted. He never gets tired of his people. 
His presence in your life is, is relational and it's personal. It's a comforting presence. It's a merciful presence. It's a graceful presence, a forgiving presence, a patient presence, a redeeming presence. But don't be fooled because his presence ain't just that. There's more to it. Keep in mind, your relationship with Jesus is a relationship between unequals. It's a relationship between unequals. Don't reduce Jesus so far down to your level that you lose reverence for him. Got to remember, he is Yahweh. He is the great I am. And he ain't like us in certain areas of our life. He's other than us. His presence in your life is also holy, just, divine, powerful, kingly, and with authority. Keep in mind, he is Savior and he is Lord. And both of those presents must be in your life. Can't have one without the other. Can't have one without the other. David says, I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Yahweh is David's trusted counselor and advisor. He's sitting under the lordship of Yahweh. He gives him counsel and David takes it. Counsel only benefits the person who puts it into his practice. Please know that. Counsel only benefits the person who puts it into practice. You submit to it. You don't just go in one out the other. You take it. You listen to it. And David says his heart even instructs him at night. He reflects on the counsel that the Lord gives him. And please know, when the Lord gives you counsel in his word, it's not just a suggestion. It ain't just, well, Alex, if you want to, you can do that. But only if you feel like it. Now, I don't want to hurt your feelings or anything, but if you, if you fit into your schedule, you do that. The Lord doesn't do that. He speaks authoritatively in our life, and he never gives suggestions. When he gives counsel, it's so you can apply it. That's fatherly wisdom for the Lord. Fatherly wisdom, and the Proverbs are filled with that. Does everybody have a right to speak into your life? Does every person you meet have a right to speak into your life? Can anyone just pull you to a side and call you out for stuff? The answer is no. The things they may be telling you may be true, but your relationship with them is not on that level. But guess what? Your relationship with Jesus is on that level. He has a right to speak into your life, and he doesn't need your permission to do it. And when you read in this word, oh, he's going to speak into your life. The question is, will you listen? Will you listen to it? David says, I've set the Yahweh always before me. I have set Yahweh always before me. He expresses intent here. He's going to proactively and continually set the Lord before him. How is he going to do this? He's going to do it by pursuing Yahweh through, a, through communion and through fellowship. That's how he's going to do it. Communion and fellowship. He's going to listen to the council. He's going to put the council in, 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 into practice. And everything he does, he wants to set the Lord before him. That, that he wants to discern the will of the Lord for his life. For his life. And if you're never spending time with Jesus and his word, then you won't know his will for your life. If you're not getting the word in your side of yourself for yourself. Fellowship, communion, 
with the Lord. David recognizes his daily need for the Lord's presence. The cause of Yahweh is at his right hand. He says, I shall not be shaken. Not because he's strong in himself. Not because he has it all together. Not because he's the king of Israel, but because Yahweh is at his right side. Yahweh's presence is indispensable. Yahweh's presence is, is absolutely necessary in David's life in happy times and sad times. And it's the reason why he won't be shaken by all the forces that stand against him. And so, beloved of God in this church, when it all comes falling down, what would be the reason why you won't be shaken? Because Jesus is at your side. He's at your side. We can think if we get the right person in certain places, I won't be shaken. If I can just align my life a certain way, I won't be shaken. You won't be shaken because of who you know. And if you're not growing in him, then you won't believe that. You won't believe that. Set the Lord continually before you. Growing in your personal walk with him. Knowing that he's by your side in that happy times and sad times. That's what gets you through. That's what keeps you persevering. That's what helps you endure to the end. It's knowing that Jesus is with you no matter what you go through. He's by your side. David says in verses 9 through 11, Therefore my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you delight in Jesus' presence in your life? As your Savior, as your Lord, is your heart glad? There's your whole being rejoice. I love that phrase. Now, I'm not just talking about emotionalism or intellectualism. David said his whole being rejoice. His mind and his soul and his heart is rejoicing. I'm talking about a gladness, a rejoicing, and delighting that comes from being in a growing fellowship, communion, and relationship with Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. That's the delight I'm talking about. All believers, no matter how old we are or how long we've been believers, there's still things about Jesus that we can know. We can still draw closer to his heart. And we can cultivate a relationship with him. And the Holy Spirit that lives in every person who has faith in Jesus, he will empower you to do this. He will help you commune with the Father through prayer and through his word. The Spirit will work a spiritual formation in you that will bend your heart and your mind more toward Christ. He will do that. Sundays can't be the only time you receive and sit on the Word. You have to make a commitment to read the Word, study the Word outside this time in prayer. Now, I know you say, well, I don't want to become a legalist about it. Guess what? We all struggle with legalism, so come on. I mean, you ain't going to get to a place in your life when you don't. Just repent and move on. I mean, that's who we are. Just repent and move on. Set the Lord continually before you. He makes known to you the path of life. But do you believe it? In his presence, there is fullness of joy. But do you believe that? 
His presence is Savior. His presence is Lord. And at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. And you can walk in confident dependency upon that. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we all have struggles with unbelief. And I know tomorrow many of us are going to forget what I just said, and I'm probably going to forget it too. But I need your spirit. We all do. We all need him to help us to walk in confident dependency upon you. Things are changing in our land. Times are changing. And so, Lord, as your people, as your bride, as your church, our eyes need to be fixed more on you, relying on you to equip and empower us to stand firm when no changes come. So I pray for our church and for every church in this country and around the world that the Spirit would draw us closer to the heart of Christ, that we would know that at his right hand we shall not be shaken, that nothing can loosen your grip upon our destiny, no matter what we go through, no matter what we suffer. So help us step out in confidence, not in ourselves, but confidence in the faithfulness of our God and King. For your presence is truly heaven. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let us stand as we close our service.